Welcome to Fairy Tale Mysteries, classic tales told in a whole new way, featuring Detective Betsy Hardup, the toughest private eye in Fairy Tale City. When Fairy Tale and nursery rhyme characters can't take their problems to the police, they come to her. There is a fog rolling in on the city. You feel a shiver of danger blowing on the breeze, and the stories that it tells aren't pretty. They're gritty, no pity but witty. They're the fairy tale mysteries. In our last episode, Betsy successfully solved a murder case, helped save the gingerbread halfway house from closing, and got herself a date with her ex-husband. Can her recent spell of good luck continue, or will it run out of gas? Ivan and I were having cocktails at the Haystack Jazz and Blues Club. The joint was jumping and the band was swinging. I had been looking forward to tonight. Not so much to get together with Ivan again, I had no illusions about that. But Little Boy Blue was the premier big band leader in all the land and my personal favorite. Not to mention, it was a great opportunity to see what Ivan knew about the big bad wolf. But first, we had to get past the awkward small talk. So, um, how was the drive here? You picked me up at my pad, remember? Oh, right. <laughs> you look radiant tonight, Betsy. Positively radiant. I, I've never seen you look more radiant. Uh. Thanks. <laughs> I, I said radiant too many times. Yeah, that doesn't exactly make you seem too bright yourself. <laughs> Sorry, it's a figure, figure of speech. speech. <laughs> <laughs> Would you say that I look more radiant tonight than the night we met at your ball? Absolutely. You're like a fine wine. You just get better with age. I knew what he was up to, trying to rekindle an old flame. I was definitely not ready for that. Gorgeous dame had just handed my heart to me on a platter and I needed to take my mind off it. The fact that I was wearing the same dress I wore the night we met was a coincidence. It was the only dress I took with me when Ivan and I split. Thank you. All right, all you cool cats and kittens. I'd like to bring up two very special guests for this next number. So put your fins together and give a warm haystack howdy to Little Red Riding Hood and Snow White. This is a little ditty I wrote called The Ups and Downs of Love. And it's on our upcoming album, Red, White, and Blue.
Thank you. All right, thank you. We're now going to take a quick break to wet our whistles. We'll be back in 15. It was nice seeing Little Red Riding Hood again. I hadn't seen her since I helped her with that case a few weeks back. I wondered how her granny was doing. I wonder how her granny is doing. What? Red. I'd heard her granny had a spot of trouble with the big bad wolf a little while ago and that you helped them. How'd you know? Let's just say a little bird told me. Avery, that little flying snitch. It wasn't your bird friend, Betsy. I'm the chief of police, remember? There isn't a lot that happens in this city that I don't know about. Is that so? I try to keep my ear to the ground. And my simply charming group partners keep me informed on their dealings, too. Oh, you're still hanging around with those goons? Only when I need information. The Simply Charming group was an old boys' club that Ivan and some of his fellow fairy tale city princes belonged to. They were basically a cartel of local rich bigwigs that claimed to want to improve the city. I thought the improvements they were most interested in was to their bank accounts. It was one of the many reasons Ivan and I split. I didn't want to be just another trophy wife while he strove for money and power. Plus, I didn't know how to love somebody who was maybe on the take. They have a lot of influence in the city. I need to stay connected. That got a lot more difficult after you left. Oh, of course. I mean, how are you going to make an impression without the right decoration on your arm? What? What happened to us, Betsy? We used to be so good together. Real good. Yeah, we did. Until the other glass slipper dropped. I told you that was an accident. I could tell Ivan was getting frustrated. His brow furrowed in that same cute way it always did whenever I teased him in our younger years. I knew him better than he probably knew himself. He was going to change the subject. Any second now. This date is not going the way I had planned. Can we talk about something else? Sure. What do you know about the big bad wolf? <coughs> what? I, I, uh, I can't. I, it's, it's an ongoing investigation. Ivan avoided looking me in the eye. I knew he couldn't tell me anything about the big bad wolf, even if he did know something. But it was kind of fun to watch him squirm. I decided to let him off the hook. Sometimes I think I'm too soft for this job. I'm just yanking your chain. I'll be right back. I'm gonna go powder my nose. It took me a minute to get to the ladies' room and even longer to get inside. As I wiped my hands, I wondered if I was making a huge mistake coming here tonight. I handed the towel to the powder room attendant, a young gal carrying a little lamb. Her name tag said Mary. As I left the powder room, a large woman in a blue dress crashed into me. She growled sorry and quickly disappeared around a corner. Some people are always in such a rush these days. Nice dress, though, I thought to myself. As I wound my way through the club, I could see Ivan arguing with an old dwarf with a long gray beard. I knew all the members of Little Boy Blue's big little band like the back of my hand. And ironically, his name was Forgetful, the trombone player. I can't go backstage with you. I'm on a date. You have to, Chef. I mean, Chief? Chief. There's been an ambulance. What? I mean, an avalanche. What's going on? Shortstack here has been trying to get me to go backstage with him for some reason. Shortstack? I have a name, thank you very much. It starts with an F. It's, um, Fred? Forgetful. That's it. No, wait. Yes, <laughs> forgetful. What happened, forgetful? Give me a second. It has to do with the color. Brown? No. Black? No. Blue? 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 Something's happened to Little Boy Blue? Yes, that's it. Something's happened to Little Boy Blue, I think. 90% sure. Maybe 85. Forgetful. 
I need you to be 100% sure. Would you take 99%? Uh, close enough. Let's go. Forgetful took us backstage towards the dressing room area after an unexpected detour through the kitchen. The band's drummer, a bald dwarf named Dimwit, was picking up apples scattered all over the floor. Forgetful led us into Blue's dressing room. Blue was lying on the floor, but I couldn't tell if he was dead or just unconscious. Another dwarf was kneeling beside him. Doc. Is he dead? Nah, he ain't kicked a bucket yet. I breathed a sigh of relief as Doc and Ivan tried to wake Blue up. I knew Doc was a shady medical professional, but I figured I could at least trust him to find a pulse. I looked around the dressing room to see if I could spot anything that might have knocked Blue unconscious. And there it was. Underneath Blue's chair was a ruby red apple with a single bite taken out of it. I was pretty sure I'd heard this story before. I went to pick it up when Ivan grabbed my arm. Don't touch that. It's evidence. Look, Chief, I can't wake him up. I gave him some smelling salts, but he won't come too. We're gonna have to get him to a hospital. Lickety split. What's going on here? Standing in the doorway was Snow White, little boy Blue's lead singer. She glanced around the room and took in the scene, looking at the apple on the floor and little boy Blue's unconscious body. Hmm. She furrowed her eyebrows and nodded her head. Stand back, everybody. I know exactly what to do. To everyone's surprise, Snow White knelt down next to Blue and kissed him on the forehead. His eyes fluttered open. He was groggy, but I could see his gaze wander around the room. Ivan and Doc helped Blue over to a chair and sat him down. How did you know that would wake him up? I've seen it before. It's the old poisoned apple trick. Witches like to use it sometimes, and Blue here loves his apples. He has one every day. Just can't seem to stop. I fell for the apple trick myself when I was younger, thanks to my evil stepmother. The only cure is true love's kiss. I didn't know you two had that kind of relationship. He's my father, you clown. Family relations also count as true love. Oh. Uh, Blue, who did this to you? What happened? <coughs> uh, um, uh, a, a fan uh, gave me an apple. Yeah, it, it tasted funny, and then everything went dark. Do you remember anything unusual before you ate the apple? I, I, I remember... Oh, someone outside my dressing room. She was wearing... Blue's eyes fluttered around the room, and then locked on me. His eyebrows rose and he pointed at me. You! It was you! What? What are you talking about? You gave me the apple, uh, outside my dressing room. Y you were carrying a basket of apples, I remember it now. Betsy, you did this? Are you kidding me? Why would I do something to Little Boy Blue? He's one of my favorite band leaders. You wouldn't be the first crazed fan to try to off him. He survived worse. Betsy, how could you? Ivan, you're not gonna believe this, Dame, are you? I'm sorry, Betsy. I have no choice. I can't take any chances. Ivan's eyes were cold. I'd never seen him look at me like that before. He reached for his handcuffs. Betsy Hardup, you're under arrest for the attempted murder of little boy Blue. This date was definitely not going how either of us had planned. I was back in the interrogation room at the police station, but this time I was the one in the hot seat. My hands were cuffed behind my back and I was livid. And pretty uncomfortable. Ivan paced the length of the room. What were you thinking, Betsy? Cut me some slack here, Ivan. You know it wasn't me. Little boy Blue fingered you as the culprit. 
He literally pointed his finger at you. Ivan, I didn't do it. Uh, the consultant is here, Chief. Show him in. Croissant opened the door as Crumpet escorted a smaller fella into the interrogation room. I'd never seen him around the station before. He looked like a little boy. There's no way this kid worked for the department. What was Ivan up to bringing him in here? This is one of our interrogation consultants, Mr. Pinocchio. He's going to be taking notes while we ask you some questions. Have a seat, Pins. The kid Ivan called Pins nodded and hopped up onto the chair in the corner of the room, facing me. He moved in a strange, disjointed way, like he wasn't totally in control of his body. And he didn't say a word. Just squinted his eyes and looked at me. He kinda gave me the creeps, so I avoided his gaze and just stared daggers at Ivan. I was still pretty gagged that he arrested me in the middle of our date. Officers Crumpet and Croissant, take over. I'm too close to this case. Uh, we, Chief. Madam Bitsy, where are you tonight around seven o'clock? I was at the haystack, having a drink. Rather than looking at me, everyone's eyes darted over to pins in his corner. Miss Hardup was at the haystack, having a drink. Mm-hmm. And were you alone? No, I was with your boss. Mon dieu, you are on a date with the chief? Yes. Oh, monsieur and madame, that makes me so happy to see you are giving it another try. Stick to the questions, croissant. We, <clears throat> oui, monsieur. Madame Betsy, uh, did you at any time leave the company of the chief? I went to powder my nose at one point. Aha! We have you now. That proves you poisoned little boy blue. No, it doesn't. I was only gone for a few minutes. Did anyone see you in the powder room? There were at least a dozen other women in there with me. Not to mention the powder room attendant. Her name was, uh, Mary. Oh, and Mary had a little lamb. A little lamb? A little lamb. Its fleece was white as snow. A little lamb whose fleece was white as snow. Mm-hmm. Uh, Betsy is telling the truth, Chief. Of course I am. Your boss, my ex-husband, and the powder room attendant are my alibis. And the little lamb. Plus, the powder room is nowhere near Blue's dressing room. In fact, it's on the complete opposite side of the building. How could I have been in the powder room at the same time I was giving Blue a poisoned apple? That's what we're asking you. We have a statement from Little Boy Blue identifying you at the scene. You handed him a red delicious apple just outside his dressing room. He describes you exactly. Go on, pull the other one, Betsy. Crumpet. Sorry, boss, but that's a load of porkies. I thought you didn't believe in coincidences. And Monsieur Pins did confirm that Blue was also telling the truth, Chief. Pins, are both stories true? Are Miss Hardup and Little Boy Blue both telling the truth? Mm-hmm. Bloody marvelous! She walks because of a talking twig. Crumpet, that's enough. Croissant, take your partner back to the haystack. Get statements from everyone that went into that dressing room. We need to get to the bottom of this. They can't both be telling the truth. Pins, you can go too. The three of them got up and left the room without another word. Ivan stood up and walked behind my chair. After a second, he uncuffed me. I stood up, rubbing my wrists. I'm sorry to have to put you through this, Betsy. I had to be sure. Yeah, sure you did. Can I go now? I need some fresh air. Of course. Just don't leave town. I spun on my heel and walked out of the interrogation room. I stepped outside and took a deep breath of the semi-fresh air. I'd take bus fumes and factory exhaust to the air inside police headquarters any day. Eventually, all the filth in Fairy Tale City winds up down there. 
I enjoyed headquarters like I enjoyed the Mad Hatter's tea parties. Not at all. I leaned against the wall, savoring my freedom. Out of the corner of my eye, I noticed the kid they brought into the room while Crumpet and Croissant were grilling me. He pushed open the door and slumped against the column opposite me. He took out a box of matches, struck one, held it to his very long nose, and lit it on fire. It was such an odd thing to do, I didn't react right away. He leaned his head back and inhaled, savoring the moment like I had. I could see now that he was made of wood and was a lot older than I had thought. There was a faint crack in his head that ran vertically down his face. He'd been around the block a few times. Hey. Hey. The name's Betsy Hardup. I know who you are. You're a private dick. You used to be married to the chief. You know a lot about me. The chief talks about you all the time. Does he now? Yep. <sighs> Pinocchio. Gesundheit. Excuse me? Sorry. Figure of speech. Pinocchio is my name, but most people just call me Pins. I see. Pinocchio. What is that? German? Austrian? I'm originally from Italy. See? Pins undid his trousers and turned away from me. Whoa, hold your horses there, buddy. I'm not that kind of gal. I'm a puppet. The tag is below my belt line. There, just above his left cheek, was stamped Made in Italy in faded black letters. He did his pants back up and flicked some ash from his nose. I pointed at it and asked him what the deal was. I'm a walking lie detector. When people lie to the cops, I can tell. All I have to do is repeat what someone says, and if they're lying, my nose grows. That's why the chief keeps me around. They call me the Pinocchio-graph. The problem is... I can't get rid of the excess schnoz. Burning it off is the easiest way. Using a saw gives me a headache, and the last time I tried to break it off, I had to read out every headline from that tabloid, the Daily Magic Mirror, to heal the crack in my face. I still got the scar, see? So you're telling me that you sit around the station all day repeating what people say, and if your nose grows, they get thrown in the slammer? Well, most of the time, yeah. If they believe what they're saying, then it isn't a lie. Then the real cops go to work. You're not a real cop? Ever since I was little, well, younger, I only ever wanted to be two things, a real boy and a real cop. I wanted to hang out with the neighborhood kids so I could stop them from breaking into my father's woodworking shop and stealing his tools. But the kids just threw matches at me. One day, they set fire to the shop and blamed me for it. So I ran away. After some odd adventures out in the wild, I somehow found myself in Fairy Tale City. I lived on the streets for a few years, doing odd jobs for Fungus Fox, but something in my conscience kept telling me that he was a criminal. Eventually, I got dragged into the station by the chief. He was trying to scare me straight and it worked. So I enrolled in the police academy. I wanted to get a uniform, handcuffs, and everything. But when they found out about my nose, they talked me into this job. I've been helping the cops find liars ever since. I'm sorry to hear that, Pins, but I think we can help each other out. Have you ever thought about being a private dick? Gee, I don't know. You want to do some real investigating, but without the uniform? Chief won't let me have a uniform. I mean, if you hook up with me, we can do some real police-type work without all the police-type rules. I could see the gears turning in his head. For a guy like Pins, this was a tough offer to refuse. You got yourself a deal! Pins was so excited, he was practically hopping up and down on the spot. He shook my hand wildly, accidentally leaving a few splinters in my palm. Ow, cool it, pal. Don't flip your lid. I got a plan to catch the person who really did this to Little Boy Blue. Meet me at Aladdin's Agrabar and Stromboli tomorrow night at 6.30. Thanks, Miss Hardup. I have a feeling this could be the start of a beautiful friendship.
Pins licked the tip of his fingers and snuffed out his nose with them. He gave me a nod and bounded off down the street. I watched him turn out a series of heel clicks as he went. At the end of the street, he turned the corner just as Ivan walked out of the station. He stuffed his hands in his pockets and lowered his head before coming up to me. As hot as I was at him for arresting me, I was kind of glad to see him. This made the next part of my plan that much easier. You, uh, you all right, Betsy? Never better. Why do you ask? Listen, I, I, I'm sorry I had to bring you in. I was just doing my job. I know. Water under the bridge, as far as I'm concerned. You really mean that? I didn't, but I needed him to think that I did. Yeah! Say, how about a do-over of tonight, but without all the handcuffing and interrogation stuff? Seven o'clock? Tomorrow at Aladdin's Agrabar? Really? You're not putting me on? I thought you'd be sore at me for what just happened. No, like you said, just doing your job. So, what do you say? I could see that he was skeptical. He thought for a moment and bit his lip in that way that used to make me go weak at the knees. I hated him for being so darn cute sometimes. All right, Betsy. It's a date. Pinocchio and I had met early at Aladdin's Agra Bar in Stromboli to go over the plan. All I needed him to do was to sit at a nearby table and listen while I conducted my own interrogation of Ivan. I needed to know what Ivan knew. He was always keeping something from me, but now I was determined to figure out what it was. Even if I didn't like the answer. So I sit over here and listen, right? Right. It'll be just like those interrogations at the station. You listen, repeat the statement, and see if your nose grows. Okay. But what if the chief notices me here? I don't exactly blend in with the crowd. Here, I got a copy of the Fairytale City Daily Herald. Hold it in front of your face. It'll look like you're reading the paper. Easy as falling off a log. Sorry. Figure of speech. Thanks. Yeah, that should do the trick. But how can I tell you what's true if the chief is right there? Good question. I know. If he tells the truth, don't do anything. But if he's lying, rustle the paper or turn the page loudly. Got it? Okay. I guess that will work. I'll try to be real clear. I feel a little funny, spying on my own boss, though. It seems wrong. Don't let your conscience bother you too much. Remember, we're trying to solve a crime. We're the good guys. Yeah, I guess so. See, I just thought of a- Shh! Ivan just came in. He's talking to the hostess. Get to your table and start reading the paper. Oh, my strings and hinges, here we go! There you are. The place is crowded tonight. I got here early, so I grabbed this table. You look lovely, as always. Well, aren't you charming? You know me. Charming by name, charming by nature. (laughs) (laughs) This place is nice. Good choice. Very exotic. They have belly dances on Friday and Saturday nights. Uh, That might be a little too exotic for me. Not sure if the police chief should be watching that sort of thing. Have you ordered anything yet? Not yet. Let's get a drink to start. Waiter. Waiter. Uh, Sorry, did did you want to order? Oh, no, uh, you call him. Sorry, I'm I'm trying not to fall back into old habits here. Right, me too. Oh, uh, here's the waiter. The waiter was a little guy. Really little. Like three feet tall. He was a monkey of some sort, wearing a red fez with a tassel on it. He gave us the menus. Sorry, I I didn't quite get that. He says the drinks are on the back. Oh, right. Here they are. Well, this looks nice. I think I'll have a Hakuna Mimosa. 
You? Same for me. Two Hakuna Mimosas. <laughs> Why don't you get the drinks and we'll order when you bring them? <laughs> <laughs> you can talk to anyone, you know that. Maybe. Right now, I want to talk to you. Well, that's nice to hear. Did you find anything out about Boy Blue's case? That's not so nice. Betsy, I don't think we should discuss this. It's an ongoing investigation, and you're involved. So I'm a suspect. Do you really think that I poisoned my favorite musician? No, not really. Sorry, I, I didn't hear you. C can you speak up? I said I don't really think you're a suspect. I listened carefully. No rustling of the paper. He was telling the truth. Are you okay? Sure, yeah, it's just a bit noisy in here. <clears throat> so, uh, you don't have any idea about how Blue got that apple? No, not yet. We're still making inquiries. I heard the paper behind me. So he did know who poisoned Boy Blue. No wonder he didn't suspect me. He already liked somebody else for it. <laughs> well, these are fancy glasses. Thanks. <laughs> The specials sound nice, but we're gonna need a few more minutes. Specials? Yeah, it's a shawarma platter with baklava for rafters. I only understood half of that. Uh, maybe I'll just order by column. So, you think the big bad wolf is behind all this? Again with the big bad wolf. I have nothing to tie him to this at all. Really? Nothing at all? That's what I said. Nothing at all. He was lying, and he knew it. And I knew it, but I couldn't let him know that I knew. This was getting confusing. So, how is your stepfamily? Uh, fine. As far as I know, we don't really keep in touch. How's that simply charming bunch? It's simply charming group, and they're fine. Really? Fine? Not a bunch of corrupt snakes? No. Well... Not all. Oh, only a few of them are corrupt. Well, that's fine then. Tell me, are you one of the snakes? Of course not. Ella, I, I mean Betsy. Why are you talking to me like this? I thought I was going on a date, not an interrogation. What do you want? <coughs> no, we are not ready to order yet. Come back in five minutes. And take this glass, will you? <coughs> well, same to you in spades. I thought you didn't speak monkey. I... I don't, but I speak waiter. Look, Betsy, I, I don't know what you're getting at here with all these questions about the Simply Charming group. You think they're all snakes, but they're not. I should know I'm one of them. Well, not the snaky ones. And you're always bringing up the big bad wolf. What do you have against him? He's got nothing to do with any of this. Look, you're delving into muddy waters here, and it's not safe. I'm just trying to protect you because I still love you. You still love me? What? No, I, I didn't mean that. I'm over it, I tell you. I feel nothing for you now. Uh-oh. Pins? What are you doing? Betsy, did you... It's not what it looks like. I hope not, because it looks like you were using pins against me to see if I've been lying to you. Oh. Well, in that case, it's exactly what it looks like. I can't believe it! I came out with you to try to make things better between us. All you wanted to do was pump me for information for your case. Well, that's not all I wanted to do. Besides, look at Pinocchio's nose. He's gonna need a flamethrower to get that thing back to size. You have been lying to me all evening. If I've told you anything that wasn't absolutely true, it was for your own good. You don't get to decide what's for my own good. Typical man has to take care of the little lady. Well, I am not your little lady anymore. I am leaving. Fine, so am I. 
Um, Chief? Betsy! Oh, how did I get stiffed with the bill? Ah, uh, the path of true love never did run smooth. Looks like Betsy and the prince won't be getting back together anytime soon. What a shame. I had such high hopes for their reunion. But he did say he still loved her. Was it a lie? Find out as this season of the Fairy Tale Mysteries radio show magically unfolds. To Tell the Truth, Part 1 was performed by Franny Warwick as Betsy Hardup, Lois Warwick as Pinocchio and Abu the Waiter, Samantha Andrews as Officer Crumpet, Jeff Christensen as Officer Croissant, Tim Tucker as Little Boy Blue, Chelsea Rose as Snow White, Dan Wilhelm as Prince Ivan Charming, Doc and Forgetful were played by myself, your announcer, Christopher Hall. To Tell the Truth, Part 1 was written by Dan Wilhelm, Mike Balzer, and Hannah Christensen, based on a concept by Alex Balzer. Additional material by Brad Dewar. Directed by Mike Balzer. Music by Timothy Tucker. Vocals by Chelsea Rose and Rosie Forst. Sound effects and foley by Chris Cutris. Costumes? Yes, we do have costumes and radio, and they are by our dream team, Judy Simpson, Linda O'Donovan, and Chris Roberts. The Fairy Tale Mysteries Radio Show is produced by James T. Nelson and is a COVID fund project from the Fraser Valley Gilbert and Sullivan Society. This season of the Fairy Tale Mysteries Radio Show has been made possible by the generous financial support of Metro Vancouver. Thank you. All rights reserved.